Oh!
Above everything else, Christ was Lord to the early Christians. In the New Testament, we find the word Lord as applied to deity 667 times. Uncounted numbers of believers paid with their lives for confessing Jesus is Lord. For example, Ignatius of Antioch, on his way to Rome to be devoured by the wild beast, wrote a letter from Smyrna. Now I begin to be a disciple. Let fire and the cross, let the company of wild beasts, let breaking of bones and tearing of limbs and all the malice of the devil come upon me. Be it so, only may I win Christ. Polycarp, condemned to be burned, was challenged by the proconsul of Rome, swear and I will release you, reproach Christ. Polycarp replied, Eighty and six years I have served him, and he never once wronged me. How then shall I blaspheme my king who has saved me? The absolute lordship of Jesus Christ must today be the fundamental principle that motivates and compels us. Concerning Christ's Lordship, the late George Truitt, the great pastor of First Baptist Church, Dallas, Texas, once said on the steps of the national capital, this doctrine, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, is for Baptists the dominant fact in all their Christian experience. It's the nerve center of all their church life, the bedrock of all their church polity, the sure anchor of all their hopes, and the climax and claim of all their rejoicing. We must make it true. The supreme authority of Christ is indeed the most important an oft-repeated truth in the Bible. But as Coleridge once said, there are some truths so true that they lie dormant and bedridden in the minds of people. Is this not true of the Lordship of Christ? It is evident there is little reality of Christ's Lordship in the lives of believers today. Today, attitudes and independence prove that the Lord is no longer in our affections. Of course, the language is there, but it is devoid of meaning. We glibly sing, we'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. 
the church is sick and lifeless today because the most important doctrine in the Bible is so true that we have allowed it to become commonplace. In this day, where there is so wonderful freedom, luxury, there is worldly living, and the Lordship of Christ lies dormant and bedridden in the hearts of many believers. The Lordship of Christ is only a creed, not deed. In face of self-centered living and empty worship, the scripture for today, Romans 14, 7 through 9, presses upon our hearts the continuing necessity of his lordship. Follow the scripture. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and of the living. Yes, the scriptures make it plain that Jesus is not just a friend, but he is the Lord of every believer. Well, what does the Lordship of Christ mean? It certainly involves our honoring Christ, complete surrender, doing his will in life and in death. He must be consumed by each of us that call him Lord. His will must be supreme. And wherever there is conflict with selfish wishes or desires or actions, we deny ourselves and take up our crosses and follow him. The cross in the Christian life is simply what it costs to make God's will preeminent in our lives. Yes, Christ's will involves the little things as well as the big things in life. It means each day we make his choices. My Jesus, as thou wilt, oh, may thy will be mine. Into thy hand of love I would all my life resign. Does your life make him Lord? Can you say today, Jesus my Savior is also my Lord? We are to honor Christ, not only in life, but in death. 
when day by day we have made him Lord, then death becomes a bright avenue to eternal glory. And one's testimony is not far, not marred with fear and bitterness and self-centeredness. One dies as he lives. And so unless Christ is Lord in your life, you will not honor, not honor him in death. What is the basis of Christ's lordship in your life? We read a moment ago, so whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord for Christ died and lives again. Yes, he should have absolute sway in a life because he is the rightful owner. You belong to Christ, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Nothing that is made was made without his will and powerful creative touch. And secondly, you belong to Christ because he redeemed you. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Furthermore, you belong to Christ because he indwells you by his spirit. Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live is by faith of the Son of God. But there's a problem in making Christ Lord in our lives. There is that human nature, that self-centeredness. Paul said, but I delight in the law of the Lord after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity. Every person, because of the perversion of sin, has a rebellious nature. And even, he, he, even though he receives Christ as Savior, this selfish nature continues. It's never eradicated. And full surrender to Christ is always a difficult struggle. There was a pastor by the name of Rutenberger who used this simple illustration. He said that there was a little train an imaginary trade, of course, who said, I want freedom. I don't want to run on the tracks. And so the train takes off in the field. 
But then the train finds that freedom is not in doing what it wanted, but in doing what is right and traveling on the rails for which it was made. Man is free to choose his way. And there is freedom outside of the Lordship of Christ. Paul's experience, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And so there is a struggle. Selfishness is the root of unhappiness, unrest, and unproductiveness in your life as a believer. A second problem in the Christian commitment is that many do not make his lordship absolute. Too many believers are half-hearted in surrender, divided in their interests and affection. They become fixed and never pro progress beyond a certain point of commitment. And the reasons for this is there's an ignorance of the word of God and what the Lordship of Christ involves. Their disillusion as to what is happiness and fearful that contentment is not found in Christ. They're afraid of becoming fanatical and being talked about. The devil just doesn't want one to be a good Christian. Consequently, many just don't take it too seriously. But our refusal of his absolute lordship is the reason for absence of full Christian joy and effectiveness in service and sharing the message of Christ with the world. The process of making Christ Lord is a growing understanding and knowledge of the Bible. There must be a deepening prayer life in which one surrenders himself again and again to the Lord. And there must be obedience, complete obedience. In the light of the Bible and prayer, constant commitment to what Christ chooses and wills for us and is never achieved in one moment of consecration, but over a period of time. This must be our experience. Oh, the bitter shame and sorrow that a time could ever be when I let the Savior's pity plead in vain and proudly answered all of self and none of thee. Day by day, his tender mercy, healing, helping, full and free, sweet and strong, and oh so patient, brought me lower while I whispered less of self and more of thee. Higher than the highest heaven, Deeper than the deepest sea, Lord, thy love at last hath conquered. Grant me now my supplication, none of self 
and all of thee. The Lordship of Christ in a person's life determines his joy, his effectiveness, and his witness. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Acts 4, 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And we're told that the Lordship of Christ brings fruit in the life of a believer. He that abideth in me, that is my will, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And there is answered prayer. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. The Lordship of Christ brings fountains of flowing joy in the life of a believer. The lack and ineffectiveness of our lives makes it evident that he is not absolutely Lord in the lives of many people. One sunny morning, an airplane flew down the course of a great river in the jungles of Ecuador. The pilot gasped in horror as he saw the mingled bodies of five young men slain by the very men to whom they had come to preach the gospel. Jim Elliott was one of those men. He lived with only one passion, a passion for law, for God and for men for whom Christ died. Here are his words. God, I pray, light these idle sticks of my life and may I burn for thee. Consume my life, my God, for it is thine. I seek not a long life, but a full one. Like you, Lord Jesus, Father, take my life, yes, my blood, if you will, and consume it with thine enveloping fire. I would not save it, for it is not mine to save. Have it, Lord. Have it, Lord. Have it all. That kind of dedication will win the world to Christ and bring the fullness of life and joy in Christ. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, if I know my heart, I would this hour yield myself anew and give to you all of my life, my time. 
Lord, I pray that because of your Lordship, I might experience a greater degree of joy and effectiveness in winning people to Christ. Perhaps today, Lord, there's some who have listened, who are struggling, who are half-hearted, whose lives are no longer enveloped by your presence and joy. God, bring repentance, bring confession of sin, make these lives different. Help us to walk in your steps and do fully your will. In Christ's name, amen.